Welcome to Roadcase, the podcast that explores the live music experience. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Josh Rosenberg, and I'll be taking you on a journey through in-depth interviews with performers and key people in the industry to explore the magic of live music, how it can be totally transformative for both fans and performers, and we'll look at how they take it all out on the road. It's going to be a great ride, so here we go. Welcome back to Roadcase, second episode of the week. This is Josh Rosenberg. I'm super psyched to be here. Thanks again for joining me. We've got great, lots of great episodes rolling out. I can't wait for you to hear them. Uh, I really know that you'll like them. And while I got you here, I want to really encourage everyone to get involved with Roadcase. Let me know what you think. Send comments, questions, or just say hi, suggest a guest. My, in, my email is info at roadcasepod.com. Uh, contact me through the socials, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We're at Roadcase Pod. And if you would like to and are able to support the podcast through Patreon, we're at patreon.com slash roadcasepod. And of course, you can listen to this podcast on your favorite listening platform. So today for the second episode of Roadcase, I'd like to introduce Julia Steiner. Julia's a lead vocalist and plays guitar in the band Rat Boys. She's from Louisville, Kentucky, so we talked a little bit about another band from Louisville, My Morning Jacket, which I always love doing. And she explains how Jacket and that band's approach influenced Julia as a role model for a hometown band. Um, Rat Boys is from Chicago, which is how I heard of them. I learned about them recently during this pandemic period. And this is a band that's faced some significant changes, as have all bands during this period of tour stoppage since the pandemic hit this country back in March. Rat Boys had released an album back in February called Printer's Devil, and subsequent to that, they were going to tour. They were hitting South by Southwest and the Treefort Festival, all of which was canceled. So they had to retrench and regroup like every other band that was stuck in that same type of position when touring stopped in this country. And they started using the Twitch platform, and they created this really unique approach uh, to live streaming. They are in the chat rooms chatting with their fans and their fans are chatting with them. They even did a 25 hour Twitch telethon that also benefited some national and local charitable organizations. I love Rat Boys and their songs. Their music has a certain hard edge and Julia's vocals are simply gorgeous. Um, but I mostly love their desire to tour and in absence of that right now, They've had this remarkable determination to connect with their fans in new and creative ways. Julia is super open and honest, and she is uh, really reflective in this interview, and I really loved talking with her, and I learned a lot about her. I know you'll enjoy this interview with Julia Steiner on Roadcase, so here we go. Hey Julia, how are you? Good to uh, good to see you. Thanks for joining Roadcase. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I'm good. How yeah, are you? I'm great. I'm great. Thanks. Um, so, uh, so we're both here in Chicago today on this rather cold 
not so ominous day because it's like a beautiful day out. But, you know, we're always thinking in the back of our mind that, oh, shit, here comes winter. But we won't go into that subject right now. Yeah, that's not. <laughs> All right. We'll get into other things. So you grew up in Louisville. Yep, that, that's that correct. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, what was that like in terms of kind of musical upbringing? Did you did you always know you wanted to be a musician? <laughs> Um, not really. I, I, I mean, I had a great time growing up there though. Louisville is kind of a, a perfect size city in my opinion. It's, uh, it's a lot smaller than Chicago, but it's definitely not like a small town, you know, like there's a lot of things to do and bands would come through. So I would, I got to like go to shows when I was younger, the yeah. all ages scene wasn't like huge or anything, but there's, there's one club in town called headliners that would do all ages shows from time to time, or at least like 16 and up. And so once I could drive, like once I was in high school, I was definitely just falling in love with going to shows. And there, we had a really good record store when I was growing up called ear ecstasy, um, oh, which yeah, is actually, uh -huh. Oh my God. It was like actually like a paradise. It was really big and really like just uh, welcoming and like it was yeah, a good yeah. vibe in there so i would go there a lot um i've seen that um i've seen that store portrayed on um a documentary that uh, my morning jacket did about uh, oh, yeah. louisville when they played at the uh, yum center mm. um and had the i think it was a louisville kids choir, oh, the orchestra. choir yeah. no no it was uh, the orchestra or something like okay. that played together with them so they focused a lot on louisville and they they mentioned yeah. uh, they talked about ear ecstasy a ton didn't yeah. it, move, it move from downtown to like another location or something kind of yeah, yeah it moved down the street um that was kind of the last gasp um it was actually right when i left for college the year the first summer that i came back it had moved to another location and then by the next summer it had closed unfortunately um right. which is like such a tragedy but yeah my morning yeah, jacket totally. was like the big hometown heroes i still remember at because they're from louisville and um they you know kind of made it big uh right around the time that i was starting to get into music and so like right around like 2005 um and yeah, I remember buying like a copy of Paste magazine at Ear Ecstasy where they were on the cover. And back then it came with a CD, like a sampler CD. Yeah. yeah. Um, and one of their songs was on there. And it was just like such a, I don't know, it was such an exciting time. And my life, I'm sure it was for people at a different age also living in the city then, but it felt like a lot was going on. And my brain was just like soaking up all this new information and art. And I was, I was loving it. But I didn't really think I would uh, start playing music like, even by myself, I kind of was just, I was doing it very privately in my bedroom and stuff. Um, I i was pretty focused on becoming like a journalist or um, I've always really liked sports. And so that was kind of like my first big dream was to be um, like a sports reporter. Well, seriously, what, what, what did you yeah. play? Uh, I, well, I didn't really play sports. I, I was <laughs> watching. I I played fair, uh, like that's fair. football growing up. Yeah, I've always been a big football, like American football fan of yeah. sport. I didn't really know the band, but, um, yeah. So like I was huge into the NFL growing up in college football. And so I, you're, uh, and your favorite, so your favorite team, I'm a What's Steelers fan. Oh, okay. Oh yeah. I saw you with a Steelers hat. I'm like, Oh, is that like the closest town to Louisville? That it was in one of your videos. You had a Steelers cap on, right? <laughs> yeah. So we actually are Louisville's kind of equidistant between three NFL teams, Nashville, uh, the Colts in Indianapolis and the Bengals. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
the Bengals are technically the closest, but, and that's actually the one NFL game I went to ever was a Bengals game with my uncle, but my grandpa's from Pittsburgh and he kind of raised me to root for the Steelers. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you got to have some I kind always, of emotional connection there. Exactly. Yeah. So that was, he told you about the old steel curtain in the seventies and yeah. Terry Bradshaw oh, yeah. and yeah. Mm-hmm. That was and actually, like, I loved, I lived in, I grew up in LA and I loved that team. So they were nice. very charismatic and had like a lot of huge names. Totally. Yeah. Jerome Bettis was my favorite player growing oh, up. There you um, go. That was a little bit later. He, but. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was like, right. Uh, is is a golden age though. Cause they won the Super Bowl, and it was like oh, yeah, growing totally. up, that was so much fun to watch, but yeah, yeah, music, yeah. music was like the other big thing I was into and yeah. wasn't, wasn't ever really planning on like performing much until, uh, until a little bit later, but. Right. Yeah. Um, and you went to, uh, but, but kind of, um, not that I want to talk about my morning jacket a ton. But, oh, I'd uh, love to. They're, <laughs> they're one of my favorites. Oh, I love them. Um, but uh, having that kind of model, was that it kind of important to you um, yeah. as having a home, like a hometown, um, a hometown band model? Um, was that instrumental to you? Not to mix metaphors, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. No, yeah, I definitely, the main thing that I took away from, just watching their career develop was they said, I think in that paste magazine piece, this was right after, um, I think evil urges had come out in 2006 or doesn't, uh, Z maybe I think at that time. Okay. Yeah. It was, it was one of those. Um, and uh-huh. they were just talking about how, uh, they, at that time they were in their late twenties, maybe early thirties. And they were talking about how, if they would have received this level of attention, when they were in their early twenties, just starting out, they probably wouldn't have been able to handle it. Mm. Um, and they were talking about how like, because like slowly achieving success, like a gradual climb and, uh, creating something that's like a little bit more sustainable, like through touring and, uh, just repeated, you know, writing lots of songs and keep putting out albums. Uh, they said that that really helped them like be able to keep doing what they're doing and handle Mm -hmm. like the attention that they were getting. And so, I don't know if I really like explicitly bought into that or if it just kind of stuck in the back of my mind because um, like we didn't as far like I met Dave and we started this band when we were both 18, but we didn't really start touring until we were 22. Like we kind of took it slow over the years and I'm definitely, definitely bought into that idea now that it's, it's a good thing at least for us to follow that model to, you know, kind of take our time and not go after any like, cash grabs or not like try to rush things for the sake of getting big quickly or anything. Cause yeah. that's just yeah. not like, it's not a realistic or, you know, maybe not as rewarding. Although well, I wouldn't it, know the other way. It's it a mindset or are people throwing you offers to do things that you've actually <laughs> I was just gonna say, disapp- that not really, not that it's, it's a bad, no, no, there's no judgment behind that. I'm just kind of wondering like, what uh have you been have you had turning points where you're like no we don't want to go in that direction yeah it's not really a mindset of like uh saying no to things it's more like this is what we want to do so like we do want to keep touring and we do want to like keep putting out albums uh you know even if the previous album wasn't some huge overnight success we weren't we weren't looking for it to be you know we we're, we're gonna our expectations are kind of grounded uh, yeah. So that's well, realistic cool. expectations of right. what you think is possible and uh, yeah. where you believe you can go, really. Mm-hmm. And then not expecting some like a like 
having an expectation of a certain level of success can often lead to disappointment. Totally. Uh, and is not really can you know is not a reflection of where you really are. Really, I mean, it's about totally. kind of personal expression. Um, so did that, so how's that guided you over the last couple of years, uh, into this, uh, into the printer's devil, which you guys released, I think in February, uh, yeah. earlier this year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. It came out, uh, at the end of February. So like a couple weeks before everything kind of shut down because of COVID. Um, yeah, yeah. so we didn't really, we weren't really anticipating what was about to happen, but, no, um, I don't think no one was, was. Yeah, yeah, right. That's the understanding but, um, Truly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the, the main way we've kind of tried to stick to that is just, uh, you know, like doing what we can because we love it and continuing to tour, um, as much as possible and, you know, put that grind in and make connections with people face to face and just try to be as like authentic and honest as we can with what we're doing. Um, yeah, I think that comes across a ton in in what you've been doing, frankly. Thank you. Yeah. Another thing that I just that came to mind with my morning jacket, um, because I obviously I moved to Chicago um, in 2014. So I've I haven't lived in Louisville since I moved away when I was 18. Um, so like it's been 10 years. But um, I I really do appreciate how like supported they are there. Like the, they're definitely, you know, in the community as far as when they play shows in Louisville, everyone shows up like. Oh, yeah, they for were, sure they're so involved with the, with the record store scene and like the local venues, they played a lot of benefits to like help local organizations and things like that's definitely a model for like how I feel like a band should be in a community, like a good neighbor to everyone else. Yeah. Respecting so, their roots. It's certainly, cause yeah. that, that, that kind of helped you looking at that model and knowing yeah. that there's a, a band out there that's had like a great level of success, but from Louisville. So it kind of becomes more personal. Yeah, totally. And yeah, it just, it makes me want to achieve, you know, it's, it's as you get as much as you give in that way. Like, so we try to be very, uh, you know, conscientious, like citizens in the Chicago music community. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, it, 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 not that you're doing it for a payoff, but it, it works out because you end up making friends and, you know, uh, just having a good, you know, a good place and being able to lean on people and just being able to just be a part of the music community here is really cool. Um, so we're, how did that, we're how did that kind of start? How did that start out? Because I've, I've also, you know, I've heard great things about how uh, you're really liked in the community and you've supported Chicago community. Um, and clearly you have that mindset. How did that sort of start? And how does that kind of come out in, in, in what you've done so far? I know you've done like a, there was a Twitch uh recently uh twitch telethon where you also supported uh girls rock chicago and a couple other causes um can you talk about that a little bit yeah totally yeah i remember well we first started even before any of us lived here we uh you know started playing shows here um dave and sean are both from the south suburbs and so they kind of had an idea of like where to play or like who to ask to play shows and stuff. So, you know, I remember I wasn't calling, but like cold calling, like emailing people, um, you know, at venues just asking if we could, you know, politely asking if we could play <laughs> a show and being like shocked when people were like, sure. I like, I, I assume things like that 
COVID notwithstanding, like things like that still happen. It's just a matter of putting yourself out there and not being an asshole. So, um, we, and you started yeah, to like, do that. You started to do that right when you got to Chicago. Like what? Like what time yeah. frame was that? Just to put it in perspective. Yeah, this was. We played a couple shows in Chicago in like 2012 ish, but they weren't ones mm-hmm. that we had booked. That was like with friends back at like Township um, and places like that and like DIY spaces. But um, but then I moved here in 2014, and I remember for the first four months that I lived here, I was working like in my not talking crap, but it was kind of like a boring office job um, downtown. <laughs> and I would spend a lot of You don't my, have to preface that. You can say that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if anyone from that company will be ever listening well, to this. Probably not. But it was, um, it was boring for you. That's all we know. It was boring. Yeah. But I uh, would spend a lot of my time on the clock, like just trying to book shows. So yeah, I remember I emailed like um, the people at Kickstand at Beat Kitchen and Subterranean that fall in 2014. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, Subterranean... This was upstairs. They didn't have the downstairs like open yet for shows. Um, right. At least not for like rock shows. But so, yeah, they were like, sure, well, we can do your four band all local bill. Like, you know, they just like, I don't know if it, it was just they had a night open or they were just down to take a chance on a band that like no one knew. But yeah, yeah they you, let us do, you, do, do it. Do you send them like a demo or a link or something to anything? Yeah. Or they were just like, yeah, come on down. <laughs> yeah, we had a few songs up on Bandcamp and stuff. And a couple of the other bands were more uh, like established than us at that point. I think mm-hmm. Kitty Hawk was on the bill. They had like a record out and that band Monobody had just started mm-hmm. uh, playing shows and they were like kind of the new hot band in Chicago and they agreed to play. And um, so yeah, that was like the first time that I booked a show in Chicago and I was so like, so thrilled that we were even just like allowed to do that. <laughs> so yeah. um, that was really so, awesome. And we got a bunch of our friends to come and it was cool. Yeah. So it really was kind of a DIY sort of scenario and that, that, mm-hmm. how was that, was that kind of instrumental in you like supporting Chicago bands or supporting the Chicago scene and feeling like you wanted to give back? Were there other examples that happened like that? And what did that evolution look like? Yeah, I think so. It was mostly, we never, um, I never like lived in a DIY space or anything. So we couldn't, and none of us did. Um, Dave and, Sh- well, actually Marcus, our drummer lived in a DIY space called, it used to be called Summer Camp, but now it's called Margaritaville. Um, <laughs> it's just like a basement, like a house, show house. But um, yeah. so he would host shows. I never, I don't know if we like gave back in any way, but we just tried to go to shows as much as we could and, you know, support bands that, we're doing awesome stuff and uh, host bands whenever we could, like on when they were on tour, we would either host them in our, in my tiny apartment or at Dave's house, Dave's parents' house in the burbs, or at least try to hook them up with a place to stay, you know, like just trying to look out for people and, and try to make the experience here a good one when touring bands would come through. Cause Chicago, it doesn't get a bad rap, but uh, it's just a big kind of intimidating city. So it's nice to be able to, show people that there's like a welcoming community of showgoers here. Yeah. I mean, I've heard both things. I've heard like it's a, it's a good community for bands, but I've also heard that bands are kind can be like competitive or not play mm-hmm. well together. For example, have you seen examples of that or um, what's. Not really. To, to be honest, I, um, we might've just gotten lucky and not really been around too much of that i mean to be honest though there's such a huge there's so many kind of like micro uh not scenes but just like little communities within the city that 
like I don't even know half of the band, you know, like right. a majority of the bands that play music in Chicago, I don't know, obviously. And like, yeah, yeah, for, yeah. I, yeah, I, I mean, only ever huge. lived on the, yeah, I mean, I only ever lived on the north side of the city. And so I know there was like a really cool thing going on in Pilsen and, and Bridgeport and stuff. And I like mm. never went, I didn't go to many of those shows at all. Um, and I mean, like, I got kind of lucky too, because Dave and Sean both came from this uh, scene in the South suburbs, like in uh, Oak Forest and even Lansing, um, Illinois, and like with Namdi and all the stuff that he was doing down there before he moved to the city. That was like a built-in just like group of bands and artists who were doing really cool stuff who eventually moved to the city. So we kind of had like a built-in network right. before before right. we got started here so that was just total like happenstance and luck like right place at the right time, time yeah kind yeah of thing. and so you went to notre dame and then you and you met uh dave who's the guitarist yeah. there right like right off mm-hmm. the bat or something uh uh yep. like in orientation there something yeah. like that and you guys connected on a music level and then just sort of stuck it out there for a while yep that's exactly right yeah we met um yeah, it was either like the first or the second day. It was during freshman orientation. Um, and <laughs> yeah. yeah, there there aren't a ton of people at Notre Dame who are like super, like there are people who, there are a lot of people who listen to music, but there aren't a ton of people where that's like one of the top priorities or like just the main thing. Um, and so we kind of bonded quickly over that, just having that in common. Um, and we liked a lot of the same bands, but also like, uh, he knew a lot of bands that I didn't know and vice versa. So we kind of filled in the gaps for each yeah. other. And um, it was really cool. I mean, I had never met anyone who played music. Like all of my high school friends, like li- we all listened to a lot of the same music and stuff, but um, I was the only one who like played an instrument or anything. So it was right. really cool to meet Dave because uh, we, like I had never like jammed with anyone before. So that was a whole <laughs> had new you been experience. Playing, had you been playing guitar before then? Yeah, I, I learned I started playing guitar when I was like 14. Uh-huh. Um so like all during high school I played, but it was all by myself and it was all um acoustic guitar. So I didn't even think about playing electric guitar until uh like years later after like right around the time that college was ending and we uh were just gonna start recording more music uh, right took the plunge and bought an electric guitar so there you go there that was you exciting. Go. <laughs> yeah um so yeah this uh this covid thing i mean you guys put out that album uh the latest album right at the uh at the end of february just before covid hit you know yeah. had a tour plan i don't want to like bring up all kinds of shitty feelings and stuff but oh, just, to okay. sort of, just to sort of put it in perspective and how i've I, I've looked at what you have done and um, since then and have a ton of respect for just powering, powering down and just or powering through this period, which clearly was, could have been like, uh, dis, uh, was obviously disappointing for anybody. Yeah. Uh, um, how'd you feel when that, when that first occurred and what was the turning point? Because you guys have, done some great things since then and uh really like to get in front of your fans and have found clearly have found that niche and i just kind of wanted to explore that with you and what your mindset was to start that out totally yeah we yeah definitely we um it's kind of a crazy timeline like we put out 
Printer's Devil on the 28th of February. And then um, that next week, I will never, <laughs> I've talked about this before, but it's seriously still so fresh in my mind. It was March 6th that South by Southwest was canceled. Yeah. And that was like a huge that was, it was literally a week after our record came out. And I remember someone had messaged me, someone internationally, I think they live in the UK, had messaged the band on Facebook and was like, what are the chances South by is going to get canceled? You know, I'm thinking about uh, like canceling my flight. And I was like, it's not going to get canceled. Like that will not happen. <laughs> the city of Austin depends so, you know, so heavily on this revenue and Little did it, they know. Yeah, well, little did I know. No one knew, but no, I, yeah. I remember the night after uh, our show at uh, Lincoln Hall, like the night the record came out, we were at some bar and just like celebrating or something. And uh, we were all talking because we had purchased flights to go to Europe in May and June. And we were like, oh, we might have to like cancel the Italy shows on the tour. Because like right around then it was really bad in Italy, but we like didn't really know that it was going to no, get that yeah, everywhere. Yeah. So anyways, yeah. So when South by got canceled on March 6th, we were all in our text group, like freaking out, you know, cause it's oh, like, right. this is, this is a huge deal because it, it's a domino effect. Like if, you know, if that's canceled, then it felt immediately like everything else was kind of in jeopardy. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then, yeah. So like a week later on the 12th uh, was the day that everything got crazy. Like Tom Hanks got coronavirus. The yeah. NBA shut down. It was all like on the same evening. It was so intense. Yeah, um, I was at a show in uh, Covington, Kentucky at the Madison whoa. Theater when I, my daughter texted me and said, Tom Hanks has COVID. I was oh at a show. God. What show? <laughs> um, I saw Pigeons playing ping pong there when Go oh. and Goose opened up for them. Just uh, And I had That's been cool. in a... Um, I had been in Indianapolis the night before at the Hi Fi to see Rookie with Twin Peaks. Dang. Um, but Got yeah, in, right? so everyone, oh yeah, last show. <laughs> so what? Um, what was the thought process? I mean, clearly you guys were super disappointed. I'm so sorry that that occurred to you guys. I mean, like, oh, to say it's okay. I'm sorry that COVID occurred. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. It's <laughs> sounds all your like fault. A ridiculously trite thing to say at this point, but no. I mean, you know, big picture, yeah, it's a global pandemic. Small picture, there are so many stories of uh, of many bands that have like just obviously to talk about the you know what's gone on in the music industry. Um, yeah is really disappointing and there's so many stories out there um i'm particularly interested in what your thought process was and sort of clearly you decided not to just sit there and uh and cry for three months you turned it around you know you had um uh you had this tour planned and that didn't happen but you found ways to get in front of fans sort of what was your mindset and what did you um what would did you set out to do initially to kind of turn it all around for you guys? Yeah. Well, I mean, the first mindset was relief that we weren't out on the road when all of this happened um, mm. because we were meant to be our first the first date of our tour was the 14th. And so everything got shut down two days before we were supposed to leave. And so we were just relieved that we, cause for instance, our friends in um, pale hound and adult mom who are both like new England bands mm -hmm. uh, were in San Francisco when everything shut down. And so they had to drive all the way across the country, right. you know, to get home in the middle of this extremely stressful and, like scary, dangerous situations. Yeah, disappointing so, time. Yeah. Yeah. And like dealing with, yeah, all the disappointment and everything. So we were just, I mean, 
we were like feeling for everyone who was like in a worse logistical situation than we were because luckily we were just home. The only logistical problem that we had was we had all this freaking merch, which you can see behind me, <laughs> <laughs> just piling up because you know, we had bought all this merch for tour. And so we, we, uh, which is all available on your website still, obviously. Yeah. Well, yeah. Let's we're going to say that really loud. Yeah. We're actually, <laughs> we're revamping our site right now to get, get it make it easier to buy but um yeah, yeah. yeah so we quickly posted that online that was really helpful people like bought that which was cool and then so that helped us out at least it helped us pay for the merch that we had bought um but then yeah mm. we i remember there were like a couple conversations at the very beginning of you know in the middle of march where um it was even before like the actual shutdown order was placed i remember i got together with uh glenn who runs super records here in Chicago and a couple mm. other artists and we were just like brainstorming and Glenn is like the man. He is he's just such a realist and knows what's going on kind of more than most. <laughs> and so um I was saying, you know, this is really going to fuck up the next 6 months like I don't know how we're going to get, you know, what's going to happen. He's like, no, like the whole year is gone. Like yeah. 2020 is not happening and I was like, whoa. Like I've never, I wasn't thinking about it like that. And so when he said that, I was like, oh man, like we might need to really invest in something. Cause like a little, you know, putting your hand over the, the like water, the leak or whatever, it's just going to spring somewhere else. Like we need to find like a solution that's going to last or at least help make the days go by a little faster. So, um, yeah, it was between that conversation and then getting on a few calls with like, uh, there were some other artists who were thinking about maybe doing like a big virtual music festival. Um, mm -hmm. We were just kind of brainstorming over like FaceTime and zoom, like in a couple group chats, like how to, what to do. And uh, I had had this little virtual tour idea because we, we were lucky enough to already own a green screen, a very small green screen. Um, yeah. But our Sean, our bassist had one already. And so the idea was to play in front of the green screen and just put a photo behind us that made it seem like we were playing in like some exotic far flung location and we could right. pretend we were on tour. Yeah, I always wanted to play on a beach in Thailand. Yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> that was the one rule of the show, of the idea is that we can't play. We can only play where we've in like places that we've never played. So it was meant to be oh, cool. kind of, you know, out there. Um, yeah, but yeah. yeah, I had mentioned it to, you know, people on those group chats and, you know, people were into it, but it was kind of clear that by the end of those chats, it was like, well, we're all kind of just going to do our own thing because this is lasting longer than this is going to last a long time. And so um, kind of just took that idea and ran with it. We like ordered a couple of webcams online, you know, just like right. cheap webcams and uh, and just Twitch seemed like a place to do things. It seemed just like a little bit niche and like something we had never tried before and it allows for a lot of like customization you can like kind of make it look how you want and right. that was attractive because we had a lot of time on our hands so we could kind of experiment and like learn how to make it make things look good yeah not saying that we've you know <laughs> that you like, achieved that. that much <laughs> yeah but like, it's at least fun to try so um, had you been familiar with the twitch format prior to that little bit we dave is a huge fan of the twitch channel called salty bet um which is a it's extremely extremely niche but it's like <laughs> um a computer simulator 
like battle, like basically a computer. It's 24 seven. It's always running, but it's, um, it's a computer simulator that like takes two, uh, characters and has them like, uh, battle and you place, you know, fake bets on who you think is going to win. Sounds awesome. Um, it's really awesome. And that <laughs> runs through Twitch. Um, Cause this, it was like a gaming platform first. I mean, I don't spend a ton yeah. of time on Twitch, but I've spent more time recently because it's been such a popular interface. Um, yep. Uh, and the, how talk about the ability to connect with your fans through Twitch. Was that a factor uh, or did, did, did you just kind of start to interact with the fans because you were on that channel? But yeah, I, I got to do a couple of live streams before we started doing shows on Twitch. Um, trying to remember like a few of them were on instagram a couple were on facebook um it was all just me by myself playing in my room so it wasn't very uh didn't really wasn't i don't know if it was very interesting to look out look at or hear um but yeah one of them was this app called social distance party which our friend ryan (laughs) was starting um he plays bass in prawn and uh he's just like a really smart uh, web developer and so mm-hmm. he he started this app called social distance party which used twitch to uh like facilitate the performances and so we um he like invited me to do a, a session via that app and that was kind of my first intro to twitch to at least how it worked like how to kind of get things set up right and when when we realized that it actually wasn't the learning curve is kind of steep, but just to get started is actually pretty easy. Um, and so uh, having that kind of intro like out of the way made it seem like something we could try, at least like something we could handle yeah. at a very, very beginner level. So, And so when you, when you first started to do that, how was the reaction from fans and did it achieve what you were looking – what were your goals with Twitch? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, God, I don't even really know if we had any, like, uh, we didn't, we definitely didn't have any goals as far as like, um, you know, reaching certain, uh, what are the words, like achievement levels, like on Twitch, if you have a certain number of followers for a certain, well, not, not, not in certain like number of fans, I'm not asking like, did you, you, how many people did you get? But, um, clearly you had a goal of reaching your fans and being in front of the people that support you. Right. I mean, how did that, how did that evolve for you in Twitch and were you able to kind of get to a place and be happy with that element of at least if you're not going to perform at a live venue, um, being in front of fans in a, in a live setting. Yeah, totally. I mean, um, I wish I still had the first episode cause we didn't know how to press, we didn't know how to record it. So that one's lost, but <laughs> yeah, that first weekend, um, the really from the second show, um, we kind of had things more in line, like Sean, uh, Sean, our bassist has a, he does a really good job being like on the computer, like facilitating the chat that's happening and, uh, having that dynamic of him, you know, taking in what people are saying and telling it to us. And then we respond like that was uh, really good from the beginning and felt just really like organic and fun. Like people, we got lucky because I don't know if it's luck. I don't know if it's just the fact that people had, you know, a few people had bought tickets to see us on tour and this was like the next best thing. But yeah, from the beginning, like we had 
a decent number of people who were at least intrigued about what we were doing. And so they would sign on and, uh, you know, like we can talk directly during the show, which is something you don't really get. Like you don't really have a back and forth when you're on stage at a traditional show unless yeah. you ask for it. So, right, right, right. Um, so that was really cool. And so how, I mean, so how did that, how did, how was that different? Like you, you taught, let me just be able to talk between songs and then get feedback on the chat, for example, and people play would around ask with that. questions like also you do kind of, of like a Q and a, Lots of Q and A. I already talk a lot between songs at shows, so that wasn't super different. But yeah, it was just more so just us kind of like it was less of a performance, and it was more kind of us just like being ourselves on camera, like just sharing space with people and hanging yeah. out, for lack of a better word. Um, and that it was just way less uh, formal than a regular show, and so. Yeah. And you can hear what people are saying, right? Yeah. I mean, not hear, but like read what people are saying. Individual It's like at a show, someone, yeah, someone's like yells out something. You're like, what? You know, maybe you want to respond, but like, you're like, huh? And then someone else yells something different. You're like, oh, no, what? Yeah, (laughs) no, definitely. One aspect of Twitch that we were really stoked on and hoping would happen um, is, so I want to shout out our friend Bailey White, who Mm -hmm. streams Twitch. She's like a more traditional streamer because she streams video games um but she kind of like helped me get everything set up and uh taught me a lot about like how twitch works and she told me that you know every time she does this for a living so like Mm -hmm. she she streams every day and um she was telling me how like you know she would have a lot of the same people watching her every time and that there would be kind of little inside jokes that would like develop within the community of people watching and like little references like um so it really became a community yeah for sure rather than just like different people at every show and so that's something we that is a goal that we had that we thought if we could tap into something like that that would be really cool um and it's kind of worked out like there's there's definitely the you know like very silly little things that uh happen every time we do a show now in the chat little fun like fun community chat things mm-hmm. i mean I've, I've seen that i've watched so in like in the jam band community or with some bands that i followed that do live streams and either on twitch or other other streaming services that yeah. you know in the chat it's kind of fun just to you know you see some of the same people and yeah it becomes kind of a community those sort of things that you miss but as a performer uh has this ability to go on these live streams sort of been more of a value added for you is it something that's new and fun that you didn't have before that you're kind of really appreciating now and are happy with yeah i mean i it's hard to predict the future but we've talked about hopefully continuing to do this in some way even when yeah. real touring comes back um real touring you know what i mean like when we can yeah, 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 yeah. leave our house right. again um yeah. because yeah i mean it it doesn't replace um a regular traditional in-person show but it's like you said it's almost something added it's like uh yeah like an additional experience that's different enough that mm-hmm. uh, i think when regular shows return it will be still something that people maybe it'll be something that people miss weirdly like from the quarantine i'm not sure like that's one thing that's been really interesting to think about um just in kind of a big picture way is like this whole pandemic is kind of forcing industries to innovate you know like forcing people's hands so um it'll be really interesting to see like what remains when everything's gone but it might be like i said it's like so different from a show we think it would be cool to at least 
do something like this on a less regular base, like on a, you know, a not as often. Um, Voluntarily would be great <laughs> instead of something yeah, that totally. you like, yeah. are like, we're not touring, so we got to do this because you want to be in front of your fans, right? But yeah, if you can do it once in a while for kicks because people are like, oh, totally. well, oh, let's get together. Oh, we'll have the gang. The gang's all here. Like they're in yeah. the chat. Let's 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 do this, right? Exactly. Or even for special occasions like, uh, you know, the telethon that we got to do on Halloween was really cool so maybe something that's themed around a holiday or some sort of like anniversary or yeah i don't know you can make it special the thing that's yep. hard is that like you know we don't really have the capability in our basement to make a full band performance sound amazing and it's difficult to figure out how to where to put cameras and we're limited by how long our cables are and th- you know it's so like we, right. we're kind of limited to doing a smaller scale music music production down here Mm -hmm. so it's definitely going to be nice when we can play some real shows again to balance it out and like get that full band like you know turn up our amps and so you've been doing it from your basement so how was that would you would you like to do something more like the audio tree like the stage stuff that you did yeah that was awesome we had god as soon as that ended that we got to do that back in july and we were like oh man like i wish we could do that again like we were we enjoyed it so much because we were just very, because it was kind of like more like uh, a real show. Yeah, and I mean, we were. It sounded so good in there. I mean, it, it was sounded from Lincoln good Hall, on, right? Yes, and yeah, their yeah. their whole crew is so good at what they do. It sounds really awesome, and we were just enjoying every second because we knew that that opportunity is like uh, extremely rare nowadays. Like no one, no one else is really doing anything like that to our knowledge, at least here in town. So uh, we enjoyed it because that was like yeah. our one. Well, you guys were really fortunate to be able to at least play your record release show officially, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. I know a lot of bands that like... Oh, yeah. I know a couple of bands that, that were going to release the album in March, and then all of a sudden, they and they were, yeah. oh, we got a record release show in mid-March, and that just like, you know, you had some momentum going into this whole thing, and then... Definitely. Um, and then you've found this, uh, the Twitch thing, like, really, like, a fun place for you guys to land, sounds like. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, it was... We, we did get lucky with the timing of that, because... Uh, yeah, if we hadn't gotten to play those two shows, that would have been really tough. Um, yeah. Well, you certainly, you certainly would have made it anyway. You made it work anyway for yourselves. Um, what was this, um, what was the Halloween telethon? Talk to me a little bit about that and how you, uh, developed that and how did that differ from other sort of Twitch shows that you did? And also it was a 24 hour show. Is that true? 25, 25, not 24. Okay. There was Just a daylight wanna... savings time in there, so oh, was that the daylight fell, savings? Fell back an hour. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. That's funny. Okay, I wonder why it was twenty five. I just thought you're being goofy, and I said, I'm sorry, no. I mistakenly said twenty four. <laughs> I had twenty five here. <laughs> no, yeah, it was our friend. Uh, what was that all about? Yeah, well, so I don't know. I we had been doing the show. We had been getting pretty comfortable doing that. Each show is, you know, a little over an hour. Um. The format was good, and through the show, we had had we had experimented with having guests on the show, like live call in, play songs, just chat, mm-hmm. whatever. And so, by August, when we kind of uh, took a little bit of time off to like write and stuff, um, we uh, had had about like eight people on the show over the over the months, and uh, the idea came into our head, I, I think, first because we realized just looking at the calendar that Halloween was on a Saturday this year, um, which is just like so unfair because it's like the one year that's like the big party day, the one time. Yeah, like it's, it's every like the seven one... year. It's a seven year event. 
I know. And, and it was like a full moon. It was just like the vibiest, coolest Halloween ever, except no one can yeah. leave their house if, right. you know, you're being responsible. So, so that was just kind of a, like a letdown. But then we realized like, what if we, you know, what if we could plan something that would provide some sort of like, not outlet, but just like a destination or like a place for people to hang out that day to feel a little bit less alone or disconnected. Mm-hmm. And then the idea was, well, what if we could like actually do like do some good like out of that situation, like, you know, raise some money or just have some tangible impact rather than just, you know, like putzing around on the Internet. So, yeah, um, I I don't know. Telethons like I don't know if this was like a uh, thing I realized. I don't know if it was a dream that I like said out loud ever, but it's definitely something I've been into like growing up there's a big telethon that happens in louisville every year um and there's i'm i really like parks and rec that show and they do a telethon episode that's just hilarious the idea of like staying up all night is insane and so yeah like back in august this was like in august we were like just this idea kind of like crystallized very quickly and it was like well we can't not do that. Like we should try, we should at least try to do this now. Um, and so it started with just reaching out to a bunch of, uh, bands that we knew. We started by reaching out to everyone who had come on the virtual tour show on Twitch, um, just to see if they would be interested. And after we got a few people who were like, yeah, like I would totally do this. Um, then it kind of snowballed because we realized at first we thought it was 24 hours. And then our friend, politely pointed out that we would be losing an hour and so it became 25 and we were like oh no we need to fill all this time so then it turned well, into you've already of- filled 24 hours and so like one <laughs> well, we hour just it. felt super burdensome one extra yeah one. well yeah at that point we realized like how long like just how big of a challenge this actually was because uh you know we had, had a bunch I of live 24 guests. but 25 is gonna put me over the edge it, re- it really <laughs> like something snapped into focus there where we were like oh boy like this is intense and so we started reaching out to a bunch of bands and asking if they would do pre-recorded sets so that we could like really fill the time and so yeah it just turned into a whole thing and it was really fun like it was super we you know sean and i are both sean used to work for a radio show and he has a lot of experience as like a producer uh of a live show and i mm-hmm. was uh i well i'm just super type a but also just kind of have experience like uh planning uh you know a lot of moving parts on tour and just events and stuff that i've planned in the past so it turned into this super like um you know every 15 minutes was like scripted and choreographed and so we had like once we got started it, it kind of worked because we just uh didn't have any dead space like we we had a plan wow that's impressive for that long yeah i mean don't get me wrong a lot of the stuff that we planned especially in the middle of the night was like incredibly stupid but (laughs) it was really fun and we you know but it was planned incredibly stupid stuff yeah exactly (laughs) that's and did you guys sleep i'm just curious no no oh wow there was one moment where marcus got caught uh his eyes were drooping (laughs) a little bit at around five in the morning but uh, right. no, tend we... to do that. <laughs> the chat uh, <laughs> called him out. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. We stayed up. And so how was fan after. support during that time? It was, I mean, it was great. We, we had, I mean, God, we, once we decided we were doing this, we were like, okay, like we got to really 
go for the go for it. You know, we can't yeah, just like have sure. this. So like, go all in commitment. Yeah, we, we promoted <laughs> it a lot, like a lot, like probably more than people wanted to see. Um, so, but it was good because yeah, we got a bunch of people to watch and a lot of people tuned in like during certain times for the bands that they wanted to see. And so that was cool. And then, you know, there were a handful of people who we knew already who had like been in the chat all year with us, who like stayed up the entire time with us, which was insane. Um, So that was really cool. And I mean, everyone raised all this money for the equal justice initiative and girls rock. We didn't, we didn't donate any, you know, we just facilitated the event. Like, yeah, right. And t- did Twitch have that or did you work with people in those we, organizations to We used a third party site. Um it's called Give Butter. It's actually really good. I would suggest anyone who's attempting to do some sort of online fundraiser. Um yeah. it's good because they don't take a cut. Uh like PayPal and uh Stripe and others. I don't remember the other options we had, but they all kind of take a bigger cut. Um so yeah, it was it worked out because we wanted to we wanted to do two organizations that were equally important, but different just to kind of widen the scope of, uh, you know, like who was benefiting here. So yeah, yeah. it worked out cause we were able to collect the money and then split it in half and then donate it personally to, do you want to talk a little bit about what girls rock Chicago does? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so girls rock Chicago is a camp. Um, this year it's like a virtual camp, but usually it's in person where they, bring together young girls and trans youth from the area and basically teach them how to rock, um, like how to play instruments, how to write songs, how to be in a band together and like communicate, uh, you know, yeah, right on. what they want and how they're feeling and just teaching like self-empowerment. Um, it's really cool. We've gotten, we've been lucky enough to play with like a few girls rock bands. What's really cool is, you know, the, the groups that come out of that, they play uh, shows like in the program at the end, but then a lot of them stay together. Like we have friends who their band started as a girls rock band. Um, hmm. It's so cool. And so we've gotten to like see that program in action a few times on tour across the country. Cause there's camps pretty much everywhere. Um, like in a lot of cities. So it was oh, really cool. Like, to- so it's like girls rock where like in a different mm-hmm. city and it's sort of like these organizations that bring kids together, girls that wouldn't necessarily have the resources to go to a camp and yeah. that might have already prior music interest, but then it's they not, get, yeah, it's not required, but uh, uh-huh. yeah. Well, some really, kind of interest in music probably would be right. a good thing, I guess. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I not, there's no prior experience necessary, but right, yeah, the, right. it's uh, all over the country. There's like, uh, I don't know the exact number, but in, yeah. in almost every major, like in every major city and in almost, I think in every state, I don't know. All I know is that the one in Chicago does really good work and, and we've gotten to play with them across the country, like in Pennsylvania and San Diego. And right. uh, it's always a really cool experience. Oh, that's really cool. That's really cool. Yeah. And what's your connection with the equal justice initiative that you yeah, also, that- you also supported them uh, through donations Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I found out about them uh, from my mom, I believe. Uh, There's a Netflix documentary about the uh, founder of Equal Justice Initiative. And basically, it's an organization that's based in Alabama, but that does work nationwide. So it's kind of like a more zoomed out, like wider scope um, than the Girls Rock Chicago. But yeah, they do a ton of work to promote 
racial justice in the U.S., basically trying to undo all of these uh, toxic and racist and, you know, uh, what's the word? Like, you know, these these systems that favor white people over black people, basically, in the criminal justice system and in the uh, prison system. And so, yeah, they on the ground, they help people who have been wrongly convicted or who are currently being uh, like in the legal system being tried for crimes they didn't commit. But then also they do a lot of work like building museums and educating the public. They publish a lot of like reports every year about um, the hit, like the legacy and the history of Mm -hmm. uh, white supremacy in the U S and it's really important. Like they do so, so, so much work. So it was important for us to communicate what they do and what girls rock do, uh, you know, accurately. And so, Mm-hmm. I was able to, I interviewed a person from each of those organizations and we put those interviews on oh, throughout the show uh-huh. so that oh, cool. they could explain what they do. Cause I'm, I'm not nearly as articulate as they are. So well, you're doing it. You're definitely doing a great job. What was your, I, I, I would say there's probably there, there's a lot of um, agencies or groups that promote for promotion of, of justice for everyone. Um, what was the, what's your personal connection to this that made you want to promote them on the, on your, uh, on the telethon? Yeah, it was, it was mainly just like being, I was just so impressed about the scope of the work that they do. It's, Mm -hmm. um, you know, there are other organizations that we've supported this year that are, uh, you know, there are a lot of local organizations here in Chicago that we have supported and that we continue to, try to advocate for and that we respect so much. And then, um, you know, like around the country, but it was, it was more so just um, being introduced to EJI and seeing how much they were doing and kind of how broad uh, the work is that they're doing. It was extremely impressive. Um, I think, I don't remember if the museum, I believe it just opened right before the pandemic, but it was, it's been on our list for a while of, a place that we want to visit. Um, yeah. So it's kind of, it's just fascinating and, and like so awe-inspiring to see uh, everything they're doing because it's, right. you know, it's, it's kind of all of these different aims or challenges and they're tackling all of them. Um, it's Yeah, there's so much work to be done at this point. <laughs> right. Because yeah, the education right and like the education aspect and the practical aspect of helping people now, like the fact right. that they can do both at the same time is. Yeah. Education think, and really, advocacy really for sure. Right. right. Exactly. Um, how did uh, doing this telethon and other things on Twitch, like clearly you went in with one mindset of sort of pre COVID fan interaction. How has that evolved through more connection with fans um, putting all, you know, doing more videos or putting up a lot of your performances on YouTube and Twitch and having that kind of fan interaction. How has your view of those that support you and your fans and that interaction that you used to have on stage, how has that evolved over time during this fucked up period? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's, um, it's just gotten stronger really. Like we, um, all four of us are very down to earth and we were already kind of, uh, you know, we've always been open, like, you know, at shows wanting to meet people and wanting to, uh, 
make friends and, you know, have relationships and get to go back to a city. And there's people there that we know from who have come to shows in the past. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of just been more getting to know people even better and like having the opportunity to like these virtual shows are weirdly like so much more intimate than a regular show. So interesting. Yeah. Just getting to like be ourselves and uh, you know, whoever's watching is probably learning more about us and then vice versa. I mean, especially when we, we launched a Patreon back in August, Mm -hmm. um, which is something we really never planned on doing. Um, But with touring gone, that's like all of our income. And so uh, it helps, it helps having the Patreon definitely like helps a little bit, but um, yeah. And part of that was launching this discord server again, something I never knew about until this year, but it's basically like an app where you can start chat rooms and uh, Mm -hmm. invite people to join and talk about different things. And so for Patreon, that discord is pretty active. And so we're in there all the time and, just chatting you know our fans are becoming our friends at this point like we are chatting about like sports and records that we like and whatever's going on it's nice to just have a place to like stay connected with people and hang out and you know those lines being blurred a little bit this year has been uh helpful for us it just makes us feel more yeah helpful like less alone helpful like talk about that a little bit like how has that been apart from making you feel less alone and what else has been um kind of a factor with that yeah i think it just kind of makes us like it gives us a better idea of who the people are who like what we're doing at least the people who really like what we're doing because those are the people on patreon and in the discord um Mm -hmm. so yeah it's it's really cool to just get to know those people better because that's the main thing that brought us together is that we're doing this thing that they enjoy, but we have so much more in common than that. And also kind of getting a sense of what they want us to do like things. uh, That's actually something I'm going to post on the Patreon soon. It's just like, what, like, what should we do? Like, you know, asking them for ideas of content uh, that they would like us to make, or just, uh, you know, it's, it's nice to be able to have that direct connection with people to yeah. be able to get feedback in real time about, you know, because I, I I welcome that, like criticism of eh, this thing that you're doing, I could give or take, like, you know, that's fine. But, you know, you should do this instead or just having having certain, right. uh, you know, having like direct feedback like that is is really nice. It, it helps us. It's uh, super valuable, right? Grow as artists. Yeah, exactly. And you said that you thought that these uh, a lot of these shows are are, are almost more intimate than what oh, you yeah. had imagined. Like in 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 what ways? Um, I mean, we just talk about like at the beginning of all the shows, we kind of just talk about like what we've been up to, uh, and just throughout, like we, uh, you know, talk about our daily lives a lot, and just like sometimes. Um, you know, people in the chat are, are, it's usually pretty silly and lighthearted, but, you know, we ask people how they're doing and we welcome answers to that question that aren't just like sunshine and daisies or whatever. So sometimes we end up, you know, having conversations about stuff that it's not heavier, but it definitely feels like more real. Um, well, yeah, and, it's more like, how's everybody doing tonight? Yay! Yeah, like you ask that question, and you don't get an answer. But when you ask right. that question on Twitch or like on a virtual performance, right. you're getting individual answers that like you 
people are coming from real human beings. And so it's like, it's, it feels good to be able to like respond to that and to have a dialogue about yeah you know, all the weird, well, be- awful stuff that's going on this year. Yeah, um, totally. I mean, beyond having more personal connection with people, uh, which everyone needs more personal connection these days, yeah. um, has that brought you even closer to your fan base to develop those kind of deeper connections with even a couple different individuals and I, I imagine it's dozens and dozens and hundreds of other individuals that you've been able to, to, I mean, I'm not, it's immaterial to put a number on it, but yeah. you've been able to develop these deeper, deeper relationships or deeper connection with your fans. Like how has that, that felt for you during this time? It's felt really good. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just, I feel like it's only gonna um, continue at this point. Hopefully like, when we can go back and play shows again, it'll be so awesome to have that, this shared experience under our belts and like uh, seeing people in person is going to feel so amazing because we've kind of been developing relationships and just hanging out and being together, you know, being alone together um, (laughs) for a long time this year. So it's, it's felt really good and I'm hopeful that it'll, yeah, like, Again, payoff is the wrong word, but I'm really excited to kind of, you know, get to see people again in the next stage and and have all this to reminisce about. Because if we were all just on our own, there's it's one thing when you're tweeting and you're on social media, but it's nice right. to be actually talking with people or, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is not definitely not a replacement, but in right. lieu of being able to be face to face, I mean, um, there are some positives of what's going yeah. on right now. I mean, there's definitely, definitely. takeaways for sure. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if this was like the 70s, we'd be dying like without, you know, the Internet <laughs> makes so much possible. Uh, yeah. It could, could be worse. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's always takeaways, right? Um, well with all, with this time away from the road, um, uh, have you guys been working on any new material or working on new songs? Talk about that a little bit. Like what, 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 what can the fans have, um, have to look forward to? Yeah. Yeah. We, um, it's funny. We recorded printer's devil quite a while ago. Um, it's actually like two years ago right now, mm-hmm. uh, November 2018 wow. was mm-hmm. the big chunk of recording. And so um, we have kind of been working on new music uh, slowly but surely ever since then. I mean, uh, kind of not in a formal way, though, like it's mainly just me uh, kind of writing skeletons of songs and not doing much with them, just kind of putting them away uh, to sit for a while. So, um, yeah, like going into this year had a pretty healthy, you know, group of songs that we were planning to uh, work out as a full band eventually. And then once COVID happened, we suddenly had a lot more free time to do that. So um, in addition to like the pre 2020 songs, um, probably haven't been like super active writing songs during the quarantine time. Um, Maybe like, one a month or two a month or something as far as like things to that are actually like songs with you know like not just little ideas or like you know random thing random things to try so uh yeah back in august um we we went to we went to northern michigan uh as a full band um to this house that my family owns my uncles um and my dad own this house together 
And it's where Dave and I had demoed a lot of our previous material. Um, so mm-hmm. it was really cool to go up there with like as the full band. And we were able to kind of set up all of our instruments and mic everything up at the same time so that we could like record all of our uh, rehearsals is the wrong word. But like as we were working things out, basically like all the development, we like recorded everything. And so, yeah, we were able was to that different back. than how you done it before? Oh, yeah. Yeah. In the yeah. past, we had um, Dave and I had demoed out our parts and then we would bring it to Sean and Marcus. And uh, well, in the past, Dave had written the bass parts. So we just taught Sean the bass parts and Marcus would kind of write his parts, but they weren't demoed. It was just like he would write them and then we would go into the studio um, mm-hmm. right after. And so this time instead, um, we had all these voice memos, all these like acoustic recordings of the skeletons, like just me. And then we would work off of those and like kind of figure out the song together as a band and then record um, the demos like as a full band in the same room. Yeah. We've never done that before. So that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. But going, going to these houses is that's kind of like a theme now, because I know you, you recorded printer's devil at your like old childhood home that was to be sold yeah. or something in Kentucky. So yeah. Is that so like doing it in a house now? That's kind of a theme. Yeah. Well, so yeah, just the demos. We, um, so half of Printer's Devil, we demoed up at this house in Michigan in the winter. It was really cool. It was really snowy and cold. Um, cause it's like super Northern Michigan. Yeah, um, yeah. and then the other half, yeah, we went down to my parents' old house in Kentucky, which was like empty. And that was really cool. Uh, it was very like surreal, strange. Um, but yeah, it's kind of, I just find it helpful. Like, well, for one thing, bef- when we did those demo trips, uh, we didn't have any other option. Like uh, I lived in a really small apartment in Chicago with like no room or way to be loud. Um, and then Dave lived with his parents. And so, and we kind of had a practice space, but it was kind of like an awful place. And so <laughs> we like, um, we needed to go somewhere to record our demos. And so those two houses are just kind of like they were free and uh you know like isolated and no one was around so uh, those were it kind of just happened that way but then yeah we've just had such good times in this house up in michigan and has really good juju and uh with like uh the pandemic we wanted to go somewhere where we wouldn't be around anyone yeah Uh, so, well, that certainly accomplishes that to go way up north in michigan totally and i mean like (laughs) we have this basement space now but it's helpful i think to kind of if you go somewhere with the intention of doing something and you bring all your stuff kind of forces you to like pull your weight and like fulfill that end of the bargain and actually do it rather than if we set deadlines for ourselves at home it's kind of harder to get things done because we just don't have as much like as much of a time stamp like a pressure to yeah for sure Um, forced pressure is always good yeah um and, uh, you know, clearly you're excited to get back on the road at some point, right? I mean, had oh, you, yeah. had you toured a bunch before, uh, like what was your touring life with, uh, you know, prior to, prior to COVID? When was the last yeah. time you guys had been out on a big tour? Um, well, it had actually been a while. Um, funny enough, like we, we kind of started touring in earnest, uh, back in 2015, which was when Dave graduated uh, he did a five-year program, so there was a year there difference between us. Um, but yeah, in 2015, we hit the road and we did a lot of DIY touring um, uh, for like a year. And then, and 
for a couple years, but eventually we, some of our friends started getting booking agents. And so they would invite us out on their tours. And so we started like opening for bigger bands, um, you know, relatively. And uh, starting in 2017, we got hooked up with a booking agent. And so just really kept going. Like we, between 2015 and July of 2019, last year, which is when we last toured, um, we hadn't been home for more than a month like that whole time. Um, so between had, when 27, 2015 and 2019. Wow. Um, Hadn't been home for a month. I mean, like, a, like we were home for like a month, a month at but a then time. We would leave again. Right. And wow. so it was crazy, but like, we really, really liked it. And, uh, we're just having so much fun and, you know, we've been very fortunate to, uh, you know, we haven't had any huge disasters on the road. We haven't gotten robbed. We haven't like gotten in a car wreck knock on wood, you know, thank God, Right. you know, things went well enough that we were able to keep doing it. And, uh, so by July of last year, we just finished a two month tour with pup, like one of the best bands in the world. And mm -hmm. we got asked to do a tour in the, in the autumn time. And we knew this album was going to come out in February and we were like, you know what, maybe we should just stay home and like take some time off, like rest, recuperate, get ready for next yeah. year because 2020 was like the year that we were banging gonna... year exactly totally. it, it was like right. our, our big breakout year and so we were like we need to stay home and like really prepare and like rehearse and get these new songs super tight and like uh plan out our merch super carefully and like uh figure out exactly how we wanted to like per, you know present ourselves on the road because we had never we've never like headlined before in clubs like selling tickets you know when you are diy touring you're kind of headlining but you're out on your own but it's not the pressure of like you know yeah. delivering yeah, yeah, yeah. a certain experience every night so right so we were excited exactly so <laughs> we were excited to try that so we decided to take some time off to like right. uh prepare Good thing you did because you've got you've had no time off now <laughs> <laughs> it's so dark like oh my god we the timing worked out in a crazy way yeah but, okay um, so yeah it's been july of last year was the last time that we toured um right so we definitely miss it and we were we were so used to that lifestyle and uh just the the daily grind of tour so we can't wait to do it again yeah what was the thing you liked the most about it um well for me Besides the music and the travel and the the great bus road stop food i mean come on yeah you can't beat that um <laughs> The hot dogs on the like the rolling things and yeah, those yeah. Are great. I won't deny. Yeah, they have brats <laughs> at a lot of these places, and I love oh, there you Yeah, but yeah, I mean, for me, um, I'm not sure what the rest of the, what the guys would say uh, individually, but personally, I really enjoy the uh, like repetitious routine of tour. Um, it's a really cool mix of feeling very free and spontaneous in some ways because you're literally having a new experience every day. You're going somewhere new. You're on a different stretch of road at a different time and seeing people out your window and things and things change. Even when you go to another a city you've been to a million times, it's not always the same. And so you feel super free and, and uh, impulsive in some ways, but also you have to be at a certain place at a certain time. You wake up largely at the same time every day and do the same things and fill up your tank yeah. and sound check and it's um a very structured existence and 
I really so, miss that. Personally. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like freedom to go where boxed, you're going, but have a pur- <laughs> have like a super purpose. You guys were in a van. Yeah. Oh yeah, we were in a SUV. Oh cool. Well, it's, With seems, a trailer. That sounds more comfortable than a van. It's a great car. I'm I'm really gonna be sad when that car dies because we've put a lot of miles on it. So who's the who's, the who's the who's the driver? Who Me. drives the majority? You are. Oh. Yeah. You're just the responsible adult of the group, apparently. I just I'm really uh I am really like a control freak and I get <laughs> I get anxious in the car if I'm not driving, so I like right. to be behind the wheel. But it's fun. I like driving. It's a calming and I'm just not looking at my phone, you know. I hate looking at my phone all the time. So Yeah. Driving is a good distraction from your phone. Yeah, totally. Um, well that's great that you love touring. Um and uh, clearly your fans want you to get back on the road. And I'd love to see you guys perform. And um, yeah, I'm really excited about all the stuff you're doing on Twitch. And you've really made the best of, you know, of, 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 of this situation. And, um, you know, having more experience in being in front of your fans and interacting is, uh, is never a bad thing. Thanks. Yeah, I, I agree. It's been fun. We've learned a lot, you know. Yeah. Learned a lot of random stuff I never was planning on trying, like video editing and, you know, Adobe After Effects and all these things that I yeah, yeah. You know, are not about playing music. So it's cool. Yeah, for sure. And I love your videos, by the way. Great stuff. Oh, What's the you. deal with the backwards one? I was like, I have to watch that a couple oh, times. Oh, man. Um, yeah. So that was just an idea. Um, the song references the story of um my cat who passed away um and so the idea was kind of to show um what that process is like like losing a pet but also to show just how you can like lean on your friends in that experience um and the backwards idea i mean we were influenced kenna hines made that video and uh when we were kind of brainstorming it we talked a lot about like the scientist by Coldplay, which is mm-hmm. an iconic music video in reverse. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think of others. That was like the main one. Cause it's that video is like incredibly dramatic and like sad. So we were kind the of trying to hit one. Yeah. I don't remember. Yes. It's um, yeah, there's a car wreck, but oh, anyway, shit. well, and I was, was watching to... yours and I kept like thinking like I'd get involved in it and then I would forget that it's rolling in reverse at certain moments. And yeah. it was really interesting the way things would do. You don't, you wouldn't necessarily say evolve, maybe like devolve. Right. Because it's yeah. like to see how, what happened before you, you're constantly seeing what happened before. It's like, it's really super interesting, but um yeah, yeah. And I love the um uh the Halloween house one. That was that's oh. brilliant. The production was so <laughs> fucking cool. Thank you. It was yeah. great. Thank you. That was really fun. We on the telethon we uh aired this like retrospective like behind the scenes thing. Um because we had filmed that November of last year, so uh, it was like a year later, um, November first and second, but yeah, yeah, that was really fun. Like John and Jake, uh, they go by the name Cool. That's their directing partnership. Um, they are just like full of ideas. Like they came to us with that, you know, kind of premise and the look, the like black and white, like film noir. We yeah. would have never thought to do something like that for that song. And uh, they came with it like fully fleshed out. So um, that was really fun to do. 
Yeah. Well, you guys still, you, you guys killed it in it also, the, the, the four of you. It was great. <laughs> it was we great. Tried. We tried our best. Really like it. Really like it. Well, I love everything that you're doing, Julia. It's been uh, really cool to talk to you about everything that's been going on with you. And like, you're just making the best of this, this, uh, this environment and uh, the way you've gotten in front of fans and kind of changed your whole model for right now is like super inventive and admirable. And I'm really happy I got a chance to, to chat with you and thanks for sharing all this stuff. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking any interest and having me on. It was really fun to chat and just talk yeah. about this crazy year it's it's absolutely. one for the, for the <laughs> and uh and girls rock too oh absolutely girls rock and EJI. <laughs> everyone uh check out those orgs and yeah this is a year that we'll remember forever so it's uh it's nice to talk about it as it's happening because we can always yeah. listen back to well this. because when it's done we're not gonna be oh i, I, I totally <laughs> missed the pandemic <laughs> all right it's gonna feel hey, so good listen Every time I get up from my couch, when I'm watching a live stream to go to the bathroom, I'm grateful. <laughs> that's the, that's a silver lining, you know, <laughs> wait in line. no line, free access. And I get my spot back, which is always, yeah. nice. Put your feet I mean, up. you know, you big rock stars are up there on the stage. You don't have to worry about that. You know, <laughs> so you true. Know, if I'm down front in Lincoln hall, it takes a while to get back up front. That's true. You got to elbow people <laughs> out of the way. Feel like a jerk. I know, really. Oh, I'm I'm, I'm, in losing, I'm losing those skills though. I'm losing yeah. those skills. I'm gonna have to just go stand in a room for like three hours and the not key be able to, to Lincoln Hall is the balcony. You just gotta scope out that balcony spot. Yeah, I, I just like good. being close to the action. Fair enough. Fair I mean, enough. well, fair, you know, in Lincoln Hall you're pretty close to the action, but I don't like that angle of looking down on things. Yeah. It's gonna be nice to have the choice, you know, when we're back in the room. Yeah, everyone will have the choice. I think that we're coming back with like a graduated kind of level of socially True. distant shows first with limited capacity and in some True. fashion. And let's hope the um, financial aid and um, economic yep. aid comes through for all the venues so that they can continue to move forward um, with limited capacity, which is not yeah. necessarily the way their business model is going to succeed. But hopefully there'll be some supplemental um, income for these, uh, for the venues in general. And uh, we'd spend another hour talking about that, but absolutely. Uh, <laughs> anyway, thanks so much for being here, Julie. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Josh. Appreciate yeah, you having me. Thanks Take care. Bye. All right. Thanks to everybody for listening. That's Julia Steiner of Rat Boys. I really had a great time in this interview. Um, Julia is just uh, so sweet and charming and speaks so well uh, about her band. Um, and it was really interesting to hear her perspective um, and that really positive attitude and kind of just attacking COVID and this quarantine from um, from a super proactive standpoint wanting to get out in front of the fans what's the best way to do that how can we maintain a little bit of momentum and maintain our sanity while we're in our basement and they've really found ways to connect with fans they even found ways to do really good and um, be philanthropic and they did the halloween um 25 hour telethon which was amazing and they're really looking forward to getting back on the road they got a can-do attitude um, such great fun energy from this band and uh, 
check out their albums and check out the videos and what they've done on YouTube and what they've done on Twitch. It's really, it's really great stuff. I want to thank Julia again for being here. And I want to thank everyone for tuning in. I encourage you all to keep in touch with Roadcase. You can follow us on the socials, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Please feel free to email the show at info at roadcasepod with your questions, suggestions with for guests and just comments or just say hi. You can support the show at patreon.com slash roadcasepod. Thanks again to Julia for being here for this interview. I'd like to thank Walzer for our magnificent theme music. I'd like to thank again all of you to listeners for tuning in and we'll see you on down the road. <laughs>